Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Wow, it's so good to see you today. I'm so thankful for you joining us. And if you get your Bible out to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be there in just a second. And um, so we're, we're going to do that. I've got some of my team with me up here. These are all students in the School of Ministry. And uh, thank you guys for joining me. And so I'll be waiting for you to say amens, all right? So we're looking forward to that today. Hey, thanks for letting us know that you're watching uh, and I'll tell you, that worship set was just so unbelievable. I really love that. Do you have your Bible? If you have your Bible, let's say our confession that we do uh, every week. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Well, open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1, and I want to go there this morning. I want to talk in this new series about essential, essential. Uh, we're hearing a lot of that words, uh, a lot of that word in different ways. Um, we hear, this is essential, this is not essential, this is essential, this is not essential. But I want to pause just for a moment, and I just want to say today that I really am a little uncomfortable when we think that politicians and other people can say what to us, what is essential and what is non-essential. I'm just not comfortable with other people who may not have my best interest at heart or they may not be a believer saying this is essential and this is not essential. Now, I'm not rebellious and I'm not saying, well, we shouldn't listen to our authorities, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to be careful when we let politicians or anyone who may have their own secret agendas that we would turn over the control of our life to somebody that may not have our hope. So save your emails, save your text. I don't want to hear that. I'm not rebellious. I'm just saying we've got to be careful. And, and then it's amazing to me. We're having neighbors turn their neighbors in, call the, call the cops on their neighbors because their neighbors may be essential or non-essential. That sounds like Nazism of years ago, all right? So I don't know. It's just, that just really ticks me off a little bit. I wonder if we're not putting ourselves in a dangerous position as a rehearsal for the real end times. People say, well, do you think this is the end times that the Lord is coming? No, I don't think this is a re uh, the end times right now as far as he's coming tomorrow. He could. I'm looking forward with all the social media. He could at any moment. But what I'm saying is, when I read the book of Revelation, I read about an antichrist in the last days that will come, and he'll say, you know what? I'm the answer to your economic global health a problem, and he sets himself up as a god, and someone around the world are crying out, someone take care of me, please provide me, take control of my life. I'm just saying, I don't want us to be ignorant. I just want us to be cautious of seeing what could be a rehearsal of how easy it is 
for us to just give over. So in the midst of all of that little trite little sermon, let me get to the real sermon today. But so how do I then understand what is essential? How do I understand what is essential? Well, the only way I know to pick out what is essential is to go to God and go to his word, right? That's why I'm excited about this series. Through this month, we're going to talk about what is essential. So I want to start off with the first thing today, and if you'll say this with me, I am essential. Would you say that with me? I am essential. I didn't hear you real well, so what I would like for you to do there, uh, just to put on your your notes there, uh, on your comments, I am essential or essential. And here's what I'm saying today. That This is the teaching today, that for us to walk away today and be able to say, I am essential. In a world full of wonder, is this essential? Is this non-essential? I think I want you to understand that you are essential. So say it again, I am essential. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. And God sees us as essential, right, Miguel? I believe that too. You are essential. If nobody told you today, you are essential. Look at your neighbor. If you're by yourself, point your finger at yourself and just say, I am essential. And you are essential, okay? Let's let people know. But it's not just who we are in and of ourselves, but it's who we are in Christ. I'll tell you what's the truth. Everything needs to be on a solid foundation. There, I finally got it. This table was not on a solid foundation, and it was bugging me. So just put out there, don't be bugged. Don't be bugged, all right? So we'll come back together with that. Why am I essential? That's the question that I want to ask. If, if we say that I am essential, then why am I essential? Well, I think that as we begin to look at this Ephesians chapter 1 passage, we can say I am essential because I am chosen. So would you say that with me? I am chosen. And so just write that out there. Chosen, chosen. Look at this verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Just as he chose us, chose us, he chose us in him. He chose us in Christ. I mean, it's interesting, in the, uh, over 10 times in the first eight verses, you're going to hear that phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Because it's not just self-thought that I am essential. It's not just self-talk, I am chosen. But it's I am essential in Christ. I am, es- I am chosen in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, I mean, before the world was ever created. Think about this, Andrea. He said, Andrea is essential, and I'm going to choose Andrea. Jen is essential, and I choose Jen. You, you are essential. And God chose you before he created the world. You say, man, I don't understand that. Guess what? I don't either. But one of these days, I think we'll get a glimmer of that. But he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love. I love this word chose. This word chose is the word ek logo mei, which is the form of the word lego, which means to speak. Therefore, there's a, a unique wording in this, of, of this verse, and it could really be read like this. Look at this. He chose us. You may want to take a screenshot of this. He chose us to be a word 
before the fall of the world. He chose us to be a word before the fall of the world. He chose us. I, I don't know about you, but I like to be chosen. Rejection is hard, isn't it? I, I remember in, uh, in school, you know, you get chosen for this or you get looked over for something else, and you can either have a good day or a bad day, whether you were chosen or rejected. I never really was really good at sports. I was uh, decent in basketball. I played some basketball uh, in, uh, in, in school. I didn't get a scholarship, so that tells you a little bit how I was. But anyway, playing softball, I hate softball to this day. I hate softball to this day. I am horrible in softball. I try to catch a softball, it hits me in the nose. I hit a grounder, it rolls up and hits over my shoulder. So. When it was time for the two captains to choose teams, here's my prayer. Oh, God, don't let me be chose last. Only the doofuses chose last, and I don't want to be a doofus. I have mental scars to this day, Miguel. I have deep scars to this day from being, because if we're chosen, it, it gives us good self-esteem, Right? Well, sometimes people say, well, if you were never chosen for that, why do you have good self-esteem? Well, I have a lot of self-esteem and confidence because I was chosen by Anita Louise Sorrenti. Yeah, I was chosen. Look, I was in competition with a lot of guys. But Anita Louise Sorrenti, in case you don't know, that's my wife, she chose me. Out of all that she could have chosen, she chose me. And walking through Publix one day shopping, she said, I think we should just get married. She, that, that's exactly how it happened, right? I mean, she chose me. But you know what? As great as it is to be chosen by Anita Louise Sorrenti, the greatest thing to be chose to know is that I am chosen by Jesus. Look at this verse. Look at this verse. I love this. John 15 and 16. You didn't choose me. This is Jesus. It's in the red. I, choose, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Uh, Fred Chaddock was a, um, a professor at a seminary, and he was vacationing in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. True story, years ago. As they were sitting there in a restaurant, he and his wife were sitting. They noticed a white-haired man with a lot of uh, uh, personality going from table to table, talking to people, sharing with him. And Fred says to his wife, I hope he doesn't come back by here. I don't want to talk to anybody today. And sure enough, it wasn't long till the white-haired guy came by and said to them, said, hey, where are you guys from? We're from Oklahoma. Oh, that's great. Welcome to Tennessee. We're glad that you're in Tennessee. Uh, and then he said, well, what do, you, what do you do in Oklahoma? And Fred said, I'm a seminary professor. So the man said, oh, so you teach preachers how to preach, right? He said, yes, sir. He said, well, I've got a preacher story for you. And he pulled up a chair, and Fred said, I thought, oh, all I need is another preacher story, all right? So the white-haired man began to tell this story. He said, look out the window. See over there by that mountain? At the foot of that mountain, there was a young boy that was raised by a single mom. She was unwed. She had this boy out of wedlock. And he was raised there. But he went through life. Everywhere he went, people would ask him, who's your daddy? Who's your, who's your daddy, man? Who, who are you? 
So he hated school. He uh, hid from people. He hated to go to a store. Everywhere he went, people was always asking the question, hey boy, who's your daddy? Who's your father? So there was a new preacher came to town and they were having a revival. So the young boy went. He would go late because he didn't want anybody asking him that question again. Hey boy, who's your daddy? And he would leave early, sneak out so that nobody would ask him that question. But on one day, the preacher got through the benediction too quick. And the young boy got caught in the church in the midst of the crowd of everyone else. And as he walked out, the new preacher, trying his best to remember everybody's face, puts his hand on the boy's shoulder and said, hey boy, who's your daddy? And there came dead silence in the church because everybody thought, wow, for, for one time now, we're going to understand who the father is of this boy. The pastor felt the silence of everybody looking. Listen to this. And then he says to the boy, oh, I know who your daddy is. I see the resemblance now. You're a child of God. And you got a great destiny to live up to, boy. And so from then on, when someone would ask the young boy, hey, boy, who's your daddy? He'd say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king. And so the old white-haired man got up and he said, that's a good story, isn't it? And Fred Chaddock said, yeah, that's an amazing story. And the white-haired man said, if that preacher hadn't said that to me years ago, who knows where I would be today? And he walked away. The seminary professor asked the waitress to come by, and he said, do you know who that man was? She said, of course. Everybody knows who he is. That's Ben Hooper. He's the former governor of Tennessee. Who's your daddy? We are chosen in Christ. So I am essential because I am chosen. I am essential because, second of all, I have a purpose. Say purpose, or just type that out there. I have a purpose. Verse 5 and 6, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, by which he made us acceptable in the Beloved. It said that, he's made, he, that we are predestined. Now, that word predestined has a, a lot of connotations, but here's what it means. Marked out, marked out for a course ahead. Marked out for a course ahead. It doesn't say that God chose some to go to hell and some to go to heaven, but it says that he predestined us. He marked out a path for us to go from adoption to sonship to be his child. Let me read that to you from the Passion. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus Christ, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love that he is the beloved one, Jesus, he has for us, and this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. So again, let's remember, I am essential because I am chosen. I am essential because I have purpose. And I am essential because I am a masterpiece. Woo! Just look. Look at me. 
I'm a masterpiece. Just right over in the side, masterpiece. The scripture says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I know I've talked about this word before, workmanship. Workmanship is the Greek word poema. It means the product or a design by an artisan. It's from which we get our word poem. So it simply says, for we are his poem. We are his story. It's not history, but we are his story. So I want you to know today, you are a piece of work. You're God's work. You are a piece of work, God's work. You know, it took Michelangelo four years to craft his statue of David. I've seen that. It's quite interesting. It stands 13 feet tall. But here's what a lot of people don't know. We know the exact quarry from which he got that marble. But here's what you may not know. He used flawed marble to chisel out the statue of David. It was a marble piece that had breaks and it had impurities. And other artisans overlooked it because it wasn't, per it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. It had cracks. Isn't that a picture of us? When people see us, they see the impurities. They see the cracks. They see the breaks. But do you know what our Father sees? He sees a masterpiece. As he begins to mold us, as he begins to make us on, on purpose for a purpose. You see, it's important that, that we think the way that he thinks about us. That's what's so important. You see, I, I want us to know who we are. But I also want us to know who we were before we are. So I want you to look again at that Ephesians passage, verses 1 through 10. Again, we need to know who we are now, but we also needed to know and to be reminded of who we were. Because there may be some of you right now that you've never invited Christ to come into your life. You've never been adopted into his family. He wanted you from the foundation of the earth. He created a plan so that he could choose you. I want us to look at this passage again, would you? Begin looking at this again with me. As you he made alive, and you he made alive, who were dead. Would you underline that? Were dead in trespasses and sin. There was a time that you were dead in sin. You were dead in sin. And, and by that, it doesn't mean that you were in a grave. Dead in sin means you're separated from God. I have a feeling I'm talking to somebody right now. You say, yeah, I, I, I know I'm separated from God. But it says you were that way. In which, look at verse 2, in which you once walked. Would you underline that? You once walked according to the course of this world. You walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. He said, there was a time that you walked in sin. You walked in the influence of the enemy. You were literally part of the walking dead. And I believe somebody right now is part of the walking dead. That's who you are. That's not who you want to be. 
That's who you were and who you are now. Verse 3 says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. He's, he's simply saying, there was a time that you followed after the flesh. There was a time the way that you were, that you were walking, you deserved nothing else but death, spiritual death, separation from God. You were going to receive what you deserved. You see, because of sin, we all deserve death. We all deserve separation from God. And if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, I'm telling you honestly right now, you deserve death. You say, well, I'm trying to do good, but trying to do good is not going to work it. There's got to be more to that. Look at verse 4. But God, I love that. I was once walking and dead, but now it's but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. Look at that. By grace, you have been saved. He says, God's love made us alive. You were saved by grace. He's simply saying, he loved us even while we were in sin. So listen, I'm talking to somebody right now, and the Lord loves you right now, even in your sin. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more or love you less. He loves you just the way you are. And he raised us up together and he made us sit together in heavenly places. Verse 6, in Christ Jesus. Look at that. He raised us up. In other words, he changed our perspective. He seated us in the heavenly realm. You know what? When you're seated, like, you know, say, I get seated in this chair. It's a place of rest. It's a place of rest. So he says, he took you from the walking dead and he changed your perspective and he set you in heaven and you're at rest you don't have to work at trying to please him anymore you don't have to work at trying to make him love you if he could love you while you were part of the walking dead just think just think nothing can separate you from his love Wow look at verse 8 for by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves it's a gift of God you need to memorize this verse this verse changes everything your salvation is a grace gift you don't deserve it we receive it you can't earn it because if you could earn it we would all develop what I call arrogant swagger we'd say yeah God really forgave me of this somebody would say yeah but God forgave me of this and I worked and I worked at that no we're all sinners and before the foundation of the earth he saw you and he said I want you I choose you wow all the shame that you're carrying right now he says I choose you look at verse 9 and 10 not of works lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them that we should walk in them you know what God wants to do with you today he wants to show off his masterpiece 
He wants to tell his story through you. Every time we do good works, you see, we don't, uh, we get to do good works. Not that we got to do good works, but we get to do them. I don't do good works to please him. I do good works because I get to. Because he saved me, he's redeemed me, he set me in a heavenly place. He reminds me that heaven is my home, not this world. But if you've never made that choice today, let me help you with that decision. Let me pray with you. If today you'd like that, to make that decision, would you text right there where you're watching, would you text DECIDE to 352-329-2301? There it is again. Text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. Father, I pray today for those that are watching and those that want to invite you into their heart and into their life. Let me lead you in a prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me? Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for choosing me. I'm so thankful that I can have a fresh start. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Thank you for choosing me. Again, if you prayed that prayer, text decided. Text decided to that number. I want to know. I've got something for you. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.